So the Fermi paradox, is there life out there? And what's the potential that we would find it? The Fermi paradox started with a question by Enrico Fermi that the premise is that the galaxy is well old enough for life to have arisen older than us. It had billions of years to do so. If that's the case, it really doesn't take all that long in geologic time scales to travel around the galaxy, travel around the Milky Way. You can do it in millions of years, essentially. So why hasn't anyone? And that is the paradox, that when we look, we see no evidence of alien civilizations in the Milky Way. And they cer we certainly have no evidence that they would be here. So that's the premise. Why is it that there is no one else here? Now, solutions to the Fermi paradox are numerous. As of right now, I know of 75, roughly. <laughs> Just 75? Just 75. So these, yeah. these range through a bunch of scenarios, which we'll get into. And I guess we could take a few of the more prominent ones and yeah, shoot well, them. Yeah, well, I mean, a few more just like sort of set the scene, because I think, like you, the people watching right now, and I mentioned this before, must are already thinking of reasons why. And, and, and I guarantee that every single one of the reasons that you think of uh, are on that list of 75. And, and I guarantee that I've got a, you know, that there is a very good answer to almost or all of them. So, I mean, it gets, but it gets weirder than, than what you said, right? Like the universe is like here on earth, earth is 4.5 billion years old. The moment the earth cooled down to the point that life was able to thrive on earth, it did. So we can see this continuous record of life on Earth. The second life could have gotten going on Earth, it did. The, and, the, and our Earth in, at 4.5 billion years old is only a fraction of the age of the entire universe. That that, that, that slice of time, the, the universe has been hospitable to life almost right to the very beginning. Definitely 10 plus billion years. We've missed the the most active star forming time of the universe's history. We're in the, you know, the party's over and it already was really exciting much earlier. And so again, it's like, there are two trillion galaxies in the universe. There's 100 to 400 billion stars in the, in the Milky Way alone. There could have and should have been so many opportunities for life to exist everywhere. And the, the challenge is, is that we don't see any life. Everything that we've tried to do to be able to look out into the universe, we're not able to see it. And, and you may say, oh, the, the universe is too big. People can't travel. But, but remember the implications, right? The numbers are so big, right? If, if even 1% of our Milky Way forms intelligent civilizations, that is a hundred stars. A hundred stars should have been, people should have been traveling out from these hundred stars. Across the universe with two trillion, you're looking at tens of thousands, millions of potential civilizations moving from star to star. And if they couldn't, then we won't. And that is the sort of the implication, is that, is that every reason that, that you think of to say, well, maybe it's just too far and maybe they don't want to and maybe they go into a virtual world and maybe they travel to another dimension and maybe then the numbers are still so big that any one of them should have not done that and we should see their evidence somewhere and yet from what we can tell none of them have done it how about this one 
all civilizations invariably destroy themselves before they develop interstellar space travel. That's what I was going to say. Right. A good counter to that, but yes. I'm not supposed to be, have any bias, well, so I'm going to say, mm. <laughs> Oh, you're oh, biased. Yeah, 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 I'm moderating. Yeah. I'm, I have no yeah. bias. So, so that's the scary one, right? Mm -hmm. That's the one, that's the great filter. That's this idea that, that there is some event that has stopped every single civilization from being able to make this journey. And... And again, when you think about the implications, if it has stopped one million advanced civilizations in our observable universe from doing this, what are the chances that we can stop it? Like maybe they have, what, what are some ideas what, like for the great filter that, that you find really compelling? Well, I think my, my particular view on this is that the Fermi paradox only applies to civilizations, alien civilizations. I don't apply it to alien life because I have a sneaking suspicion that our universe is a largely microbial one and that right. it teems mm -hmm. with microbial life. Mm -hmm. But there's a problem, and it's, it's, it's early in the Earth's history. Life arose, as you said. And in fact, there's some papers out there that are pushing that date back further and yeah. further and further, yeah. even into the late heavy bombardment. Yeah. That would seem to say that the chemistry that gets life going is pretty straightforward. Yeah. And that we'll eventually figure it out in the labs and we'll know. And we can say this is hard or it's easy. Yeah. And if it's easy, then life is probably everywhere. But there life sat doing nothing for, I believe, three, three billion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was not, life was very simple for billions of years. Then we get the jump from prokaryotic to eukaryotic life. And that starts it out. So to me, that leap seems conspicuous. You know? and, and in fact, you can trace all of the multicellular life here on Earth back to one common ancestor. That's right. That only happened once. Only once. And we have, yeah, we haven't seen it repeat. Right. So that to me seems like a pretty good, great filter that life tends to get stuck in a microbial state. And for a good, good portion of time. Yeah, or maybe permanently. Maybe, maybe you know? never, yeah. yeah. Because you, you do require one organism to basically absorb another and, you know. And not, not kill it. Yeah, not yeah. digest it. So it's, it's <laughs> Not destroy it. It's yeah. a little bit, it's a little bit interesting, but since it did happen, it shows that it's possible. So it may happen every 10,000 times, maybe, the leap happens. Right. Or the leap ha will happen somewhere in the far future, it just hasn't yet. And then eventually you have this explosion of intelligence in the universe, where, you know, as, as time goes on. That's my suspicion is that's the big filter. But I actually don't mind that because it still creates a universe where it's teeming with life and it, intelligence occasionally occurs. Yeah. It may not interact with each other. Yeah. And there you have it, um, that it's just simply a lot more complicated to have what we have than what was previously thought. Yeah, I mean, I would tend, I would tend to agree with you that, that the, um, like the fact that life got going as quickly as it did, that that, literally the moment the conditions on Earth were safe enough for life to exist, life got going, um, and you know, there's this idea of panspermia that maybe life came from Mars or maybe life came from another solar system. Uh, out there, and that's interesting, and there's compelling evidence that this is possible, but um, it only pushes the question back. So it just says, right. well, then how did life get going on Mars? Well, how did life get going on Venus? How did life get going on Alpha Centauri before the asteroids carried the microbes through the vast intercosmos reaches to be able to arrive here? Right. Um, and 
and so still, I mean, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right that the great filter is <laughs> the jump from single cellular to multicellular because, because the other <clears throat> option, and we should talk about that, mm-hmm. is that it came, that it's in our future. That the thing that white, that stopped all civilizations from exploring the cosmos was something else happened to them. There's a, yeah, and you know, the, that's the other thing is that we have an obvious problem with this world. We affect it profoundly and we pump its atmosphere with CFCs and then we see the effect and then we stop and we stop in time. But what if we hadn't stopped and we just fought about it and it became a political hot potato issue? That sounds familiar. Oh, weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm alluding to, of course, anthropogenic climate change in which I'm going to Everybody's going to go after me on that one, I'm sure. Come at Yeah, come at Send send the emails to me. Yeah, send them to Fraser. Yeah. Since, the point is, since we do that, other alien civilizations, in order to do what we do, probably go through that stage where they use maybe fossil fuels or whatever. Um, I would assume it would be fossil fuels. And they would then also go through the same climate change. And if that's an extinction-level threat, then... It's simply a, something that happens over and over and over, and that that you know you eventually you just can't get to a technology that's clean enough to save your own planet. Right, you always and you, the there may ball. not be enough energy deposit. Like, <coughs> like the the fact that we can burn dinosaurs and drive around is, right. is is wonderful, and it is it has been the thing that has moved our civilization to the stage that it's at. You know, right. nothing is as energy dense as as dead dinosaurs or phytoplankton or whatever. But um, and so there's. Yeah, this idea, right? If we wreck it and then the, and then the octopuses take over, they're not going to be able to have dinosaurs to burn because mm-hmm. we burn them all up. So they're not going to be able to go to space. They're going to have to wait for the for their ver- you know, we have to wait several hundred million years for the next generation of forests and phytoplankton to create a new layer of coal and oil for whatever the slug monsters to try and be able to colonize space. And, you know, that in, in itself is is kind of an interesting thing because if life is rare in the universe geologically speaking crude oil is one of the rarest substances you could possibly ever have yeah yeah it's the rarest of all hydrocarbons because it's it's produced by life but i actually i find that argument pretty weak because there's two reasons one is we can we can predict it so in other words the fact that we're having this conversation today and if we really wanted to we could we could stop uh the climate change, we could stop pumping out the carbon into the atmosphere. We could do a, a Manhattan project sure. level yeah. effort to try and get that under control and we could right. avoid it to some degree. And even if we don't get it done quickly, it's not gonna wipe out all of the civilization. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna hammer human civilization hard, but it's not gonna wipe out all life on, on Earth. It's not gonna wipe out intelligent civilization. The kinds of of great filter events are more um, sort of existential in nature, the ones that you can't predict, the right. ones that come out of nowhere 100% of the time and wipe out any civilization that reaches that level. I imagine, you know, whatever doing some kind of exotic physics experiment or um, berserkers yeah, from another get, civilization. Well, that's, right? that's that. See, that's another valid solution to the Fermi paradox is that. Yes. One of the seventy-four, right? Yeah. Yes. This is this is one, this has a number somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. Um, the uh, the idea is that I mean, when you look at other galaxies and you start searching for civilizations, you don't really have a lot of chances to see them unless they've done something amazing, like started arranging stars or you know doing 
you know. But that's in our future. That's in our future. Yeah. So no one, so no one, one appears to have done right, it. Right. No one's done it. And that's right. like the, the best evidence you would possibly see. And yet right. nobody's done it. So to set that aside and say, we just can't detect for sure life in other galaxies. It's just not easy to do. We're looking only in the Milky Way. If there is one civilization in the Milky Way, say it's a machine civilization, they've uploaded themselves billions of years ago, and they decide that all biology that is interstellar capable is a threat, and it just simply destroys them, it hides and then destroys them when you get, they get to that stage. Could be, you know. Yeah. And that this is just the first civilization out there that's very quiet, very low-key, and it's like a, a viper. Yeah. It hits yeah. you as soon as you start to leave your solar system. Yeah, and it is, it is an absolute race. And the first group, as you said, you know, some machine civilization mm -hmm. that puts probes across the, the Milky Way and just yeah. waits for anyone to demonstrate any ability to fly to space, and then they blow up their star. And you could do this simply by stationing a von Neumann-type probe in, in the star system where you have a, a, a planet like Earth. Yeah. And as soon as they get to a certain level of technology, EMP them back into the Stone Age. Yeah. Or blow up the star. Or yep. cause a super flare off the star. Exactly. Wow. And, and you cannot ever really, it's a needle in a haystack. Finding a probe the size of a building in the solar system is not yeah. going to be something. That, that's something that we may never be able to do unless you were like yeah. radaring local yeah. areas because the solar system yeah. is so large. And so when I think about those other options for the Great Filter, you know, you think about asteroid strikes, you think about uh, worldwide pathogens, uh, those seem like they're not existential. They're not, they're not going to wipe out our civilization. And, yet when, and then when you think about the things that could, like say AI, some kind of artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. We don't see evidence of the artificial intelligence. The thing the artificial intelligence would do is dominate the entire galaxy, and yet we don't see any evidence of them. And so it's like we know that won't happen or that hasn't happened because we don't see them converting the Earth and the, and the planets into computronium, which right. you would expect to see if a machine civilization is really put their, you know, they're really putting their back into do you, it. Do yeah. you think that, that would be, we'd be assuming that that would be their intention? However, I mean, do you, what do you think? Well, there's... I definitely want to hear your response okay, to that. Okay, they could also be Borg-like and assimilate. Right. And that it all, all you, everybody ends up in the galactic computer when they get to a certain stage, and it's best not to talk to species that haven't reached a certain arbitrary level that they want, and they just keep quiet, and mm -hmm. that they live in you know, virtual reality in a, in a galactic paradise, and it's a Star Trek world in there where everybody's you know, interacting. That's the, I mean, that's the Mass Effect. You play the Mass Effect oh, yeah. games. Oh, that's yeah. the, that's the gist of, of that. With you know, the I don't want a spoiler alert, but the uh, Reapers, in here, fine. The Reapers show up, <laughs> and uh, and they take all of the wonderful new genetic and intelligent diversity that's flowered in the universe mm -hmm. after its last reaping, mm -hmm. and then they absorb it all, and then they wait another ten thousand years, and they come back, or the, and they you know come back for round two. Um, right. And, and that's absolutely a, a compelling and terrifying thought. Um, but the, but the, whenever you come up with a maybe they, right? And I think whenever you say maybe they, maybe they do, Who maybe they? they don't, maybe they can, maybe they can, you have to then say they must all. Like that's the key is that the numbers are so big. You're looking at 
a, a, a 10,000, a million civilizations out there potentially. Right. And so one might go, you know, we want to just go and live in a virtual reality world. Right. One might say, oh, we, we wrecked our planet because we you know, produced too much carbon dioxide. Right. And we were really stupid and we're really going to regret doing that as the temperatures spike around the world. But you need to come up with something that works 100% of the time that is inevitable, that is unavoidable, that's unpredictable. What are those? And, oh, I got and again, one. if you come up with one, then it can't be it. Huh. Well. Wait for it. True. <laughs> well. Because then, then someone would have thought it and someone would have tried to prevent it, right? Well, no, I, 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 think, I can think of one maybe that might get sure. past that. Because we don't know the answer to this. Colonizing Mars is all, you know, whatever, whenever you go to a planet that was once similar to yours, which is the natural one to choose to colonize, something about that planet causes the extinction of your species. Here's how this can ha may be able to happen. I'm skeptical on this one. i got to preface this first. This is not my theory. This comes from a paper. Okay. Don't be mean to yeah. John, please. Yeah, As, yes. I'm, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but I do like it because it's, it's frightening. Yeah. That's my favorite kind of yes. existential threat. <laughs> so you have a planet like Mars that was once Earth-like, had liquid water, and could have spawned life. Say it did. On Earth, life wasn't the only thing that arose. So did viruses. And viruses are very complicated things that can only very selectively infect. You know, they're very super complicated. But the idea is that as a planet like Mars dies, the viruses evolve to attack any cell that they can, mm. in which case you have a generalized virus that can slate wipe a planet of all life. Right. When some point, when the virus realizes that that we're in the end times mm -hmm. and the only thing we can do is is take everything. Right. And that it, is terrifying. If it generalizes, which means that you can go to Mars, your astronauts go there, and there is a virus there that can already infect macrofauna of any type so long as it's mm -hmm. carbon-based life. And it will, once you bring it back to your home world, it won't just kill you, it will kill everything. The right. idea that Mars could potentially destroy us. Right, yes. Right. And so the thought is that there are these... Elon, if you're watching, yeah, yeah, careful there. Paper. Watch but out. Right, so the, so the idea that there are these planet bombs out there which are which died and they died as they got to a point that the viruses kicked into overdrive then the only, i mean the only problem maybe is that viruses are are um fairly short-lived here on earth they right. you know they're very fragile they are um well bacteria can last and I, forever, that's right? one of the reasons why i don't really think this one's too viable is yeah. because viruses they they really are very very specific things and they're yeah they're just not I mean, yeah. So, uh, well, a question I have with this, and, and I'm curious to hear both of your points on it, is what if we don't know what we're looking for? We think we have these ideas right. and these concepts of, of what, you know, intelligent life would be and what to look for. Obviously, biosignatures would be huge. Sure. Yeah. Um, but thinking of things like ourselves or... I mean, we, we had a wonderful person suggest, what if it is just a cloud, you know, and yeah. a very ominous, uh, yeah. but all-knowing, you know, uh, you know, being that we don't know really quite how to detect 
such life in, in, in such sure, a sure if you if you yeah. if you transcend it into a nanotechnological right. cloud yeah you would look like a fog bank right right so I mean I think the argument against that well I mean the base argument is just the fact that that the universe and its basics right is energy that is coming off of stars mm -hmm. that that any that is the only energy that we know of right and then there is the raw material the raw matter building blocks the hydrogen the helium the carbon and the, the same chemistry that we're made of we look out into space and we see that exact same chemistry across the universe so at the end of the day all life forms in the entire universe will be essentially competing over the energy from the stars and geothermal and whatever but essentially energy from stars and the raw material the the matter to right. build things with the protons and the neutrons and our the, the assumption that you have to work with is that that is going to be the what the, that is the resources that we will be battling over and so when you when we look out into space, we expect, when we sort of imagine what our future looks like as a civilization, we're going to continue to use more energy. We're eventually going to want to start harvesting energy directly from our star in the form of solar panels. Eventually, we'll just enclose our entire star in Dyson Sphere because that's the best way to gather up the energy. We'll dismantle worlds for their building materials. We will, and we or our AI overlords will optimize the resources in the solar system to the best of their ability. And then they will move on to Alpha Centauri, and then they'll move on to, to Proxima Centauri, and then they'll move on to, to every single star. And then they will arrange the stars in the way that is the most optimal way to gather the most amount of energy and make the most amount of raw materials available to them. And the thing is, is that is something that we should be able to see. Right. We could see a galaxy that some futuristic civilization has rearranged the stars into a shape like a ball or, or a or they've, right. They, they've also there's also the the idea of the red spirals where they've kicked out all the dangerous stars in their their yeah. galaxy and it, and as a result it it reddens. Yeah, and and that 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 a, a Dyson sphere you know if you enclose a Dyson sphere in solar panels, it would be giving off a very different radiation profile than a regular star. It would be giving off this glow in the infrared as they were pumping, dumping the heat that they, the waste heat out into space. And there's no way to hide that, right? Right. right? The yeah, way, if you right. try to hide that waste heat, you just turn your Dyson sphere into an oven yes. and eventually right. the laws of thermodynamics take <laughs> over. And so we can see, it's a very, very, it's a very obvious heat signature that we would see. Astronomers have done surveys and they haven't been able to find them. And and so some really futuristic civilization that had moved all the stars into some perfect sphere or this red spiral and kicked out all these other stars, we should see evidence. We should see all the galaxies as we look out into space. They should all be these weird, optimized galaxies where the civilizations have been optimized. And we should see the wave where those those computer civil you know those those AI civilizations are coming our way right. and we see what they've already optimized and what they haven't optimized and we don't see that we see wilderness we see we see raw wilderness in all directions and of, do you do you guys both believe or your takes on do we have the technology to actually detect to, to take on this endeavor we oh yeah, surveys have already been done to look for yeah they, well I mean we, we know of the ones right but I mean like even to go further outside of our own our own neighborhood our, our own galaxy 
do we have the do we have the technology to detect them, or do we have the technology to do this? To do this, to to be able to oh. see the, some of the ideas that you guys have proposed, like moving stars and, and right to look well, further into those. Yes. because we're talking distance. Yes, we do, um, but in certain cases, for example, if a civilization was a like a uh, a Kardashev Type Three super civilization, and they had taken their entire galaxy and encased everything in Dyson spheres. We would see that as an invisible galaxy in every frequency except infrared. Yeah. Um, and that would look pretty odd. And all right. sky surveys in infrared have been done. So, yeah. And they've been done for a long time. So, no, they, we, we can do it in, when they do things like that. Now, if they're much more subtle, it, it's a lot harder to detect it. And distance. what about the problem of time? Well, that's the other thing is you're, you're, you're really kind of, you're, you're sort of limited to your local group of galaxies because the further out you go, you're looking back into a time that there probably wasn't even enough time for life to have developed yeah. Right. yeah, and become intelligent. Yeah. I mean, that radius would be, I guess... But, I mean, Andromeda's two and a half million... You know, we're only seeing it two and a half million years yeah, ago. Yeah, you would see you know, Andromeda, yeah. Yeah, and so when you think about when life first formed, we'd be looking out, or four billion years, you know, that we're looking like a third right. of the way through the light of the universe. And right. so would you pose that any life would be valuable to... That's another one. That is one that I'm curious to hear your point on and your point on. What would be worth looking at if you were one of these higher? Would it be worth looking at humans? Are we? Well, I mean, or even us, microbial. Yeah. So it depends on whether they're curious or they're in You know. So if you look at it from that the berserker standpoint, they're looking for potential threats. Right. And so they would be analyzing the state of the various stars. Because you, you don't want to, like you want the, 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 ener- the sun has only so much energy and the, the planets have only so many raw resources. So you don't want to wreck that. You want to try and keep them as pristine an environment as possible until you get your hands on it and actually start to get to work with it. Right. Which is why you send the berserker probes to wait and observe. And if anyone starts to create a star-faring civilization, you wipe them out and, and keep that place pristine. So, so it would be worth it from that perspective to right. keep an eye on what's going on. And then if, but, it, but let's say they're curious, like we are, then, then just to know, to understand scientifically what's happened in the universe, that would be interesting to them. So I think that there's, there's tons of value to, honest, for any civilization to look outward. Yeah, honest question though, do you think we're curious? Are we curious? Mm-hmm. Yes. I know we are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The human race is, I think, by, by default, humanity is very curious. By default, I would agree. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you would disagree with that, would oh, you? Oh, I, I agree. I right. Yeah. Do you <laughs> think that sometimes the ego <laughs> can take over such curiosity? To, I mean, like to want to look for things that are like us? Or just, you know, if, 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 if we were ever having these berserker probes, mm-hmm. that how we would actually approach them. What I'm thinking is, is if we have these advanced civilizations that are far above where we're at, and we're detecting these, we're looking for these, or they're looking for us, I want to know what would make us worth a pit stop. Well, if, if, <laughs> if life in the universe, intelligent life in the universe is rare, then it may be seen by another civilization, us, as being a very precious thing. Mm-hmm. And that planets are, that, that spawn civiliz- that, you know, civilizations are, are very, very rare. And that's, that's something that they want, you know, they want to keep, as you said, pristine. 
and that we're just simply in a period where they're letting us develop yeah and eventually they'll contact us and essentially uplift our civilization and that would be nice it would be very nice yeah but that would be perfect wouldn't that be great but you're talking to me (laughs) so yeah i have to throw in wrenches yeah it could also be that they just simply keep us at this level or they say they need to be downshifted Mm -hmm. and they need to be made stupider yeah so they come in, they show up one day, and they genetically modify everybody to be not, not no longer capable of being a spacefaring civilization. Then we go back in evolution. You know? Right. And all of a sudden, it's we're Australopithecines again. Right. Um, and then they just let the cycle happen over and over, and they visit every so often. But, the, but I guess the point is, like, that's, again, thinking about this sort of monolithic point of view about that, right? That you're saying, well, they. Right. But it's not a they. It, there was 10,000 civilizations. Each one has their own opinion. And one of them wants to downshift. One of them wants to uplift us. One of them wants to turn us into paperclips. Then it becomes a vote. Soil and green. Right? The, yeah. The, the civilizations <laughs> of the Milky Way took a vote on the humans. Yeah. And the humans yeah. lost. Yeah, the humans right. lost. Like, 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 we can't agree at that level. Why would, why would alien races across the universe agree at that level right right so i think that and so again whenever you get these arguments i just whenever someone says they they must want to do this that's like saying here on earth right humans must want to do this like humans want to do all kinds of weird different things and there's no monolithic answer for what humans want to do right you know and this is scary because that leads that leads it to where the humans were destroyed when an intergalactic war between aliens broke out over what to do about the humans. Yeah. 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 So what do you think about... I would about... actually find that satisfying, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good way to go. Yeah. yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. But I mean, do you think that we hold ourselves back as far as going between planets, other places in our solar system, oh, the sure. Alpha Centauri system? Oh, sure. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we build military weapons. We... we you know, we spend whatever uh, half a billion to a trillion dollars a year on ways to kill each other. Imagine right. if we spent that money. But, but I mean, humans have been humaning since humanity began, and that's right. just what we do, right? Um, but at the same time, there are rockets that land at Kennedy Space Center. There yeah. are there are spacecraft orbiting the planet. There are telescopes orbiting Mars. There's rovers on the surface of Mars. Like like things are happening. Things will keep going. It may take us longer than we expect, and yet it might you know, jump though, forward. You know, there's 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 something really satisfying in this because if you would have if we if we would have rolled back the clock to 2001, I would have said I will never see anyone land on Mars in my lifetime because no one's gonna no one is doing anything. NASA was stagnant. Right. right. Yeah. And while robotic exploration of the solar system was occurring and doing very nicely, that's one thing that NASA does very well. They don't really do so well on on you know getting everybody together and launching a rocket and even now the sls is that we should have had that rocket in 1985. yeah um it's not really a relevant rocket today yeah. i mean i'm sure we'll launch a few of them but for what it cost it's you know but, but i'll bet you if you look on the but exponential now it's curve, changed. Well, it has changed but if you look at an exponential curve mm-hmm. a lot of technology is locked into place especially yeah. computers so i think a lot of those things were almost inevitable 
Right. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't Elon Musk. It was going to be Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos was, was yep. excited about space exploration as yep. Elon Musk they, was. That there was a paradigm shift because yeah. now the technology was there to where you could right. build a rocket that could land. But the thing is, is that you know you have sort of like with with anything government, you've got a, a phenomenon where, you know, rocket company, the contractor like Lockheed Martin or you know, there's no real real reason to make a rocket that can land itself when the way it's set up there's just no incentive for them to do that they get paid by the government but 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 i but innovation approaches the laws of nature right so if you're going to attempt to prevent if you're going to make a rocket that doesn't even though the rocket equation permits it mm -hmm. then someone is eventually going to figure it out right right and so you're seeing that with computers like whenever someone is willing to follow the laws of nature to their inevitable conclusion then those are the technologies that are possible. You can't make a perpetual motion machine, but you can make a rocket that lands on its on it on its landing on its launch pad. So right. and so and these are all bumps in the road along the technological progress. You can look at the scale of energy usage on planet Earth by humanity, and it is this smooth exponential curve going up and up and up. Right. And mm -hmm. even though it was it was human power, animal power, firepower, steam engines. Um, oil, gas, renewable, all of these. It's just this smooth transition because that's, that's us approaching what nature can provide right. at, the, at the heart of it, right? So then where do we stand, right? I mean, I think that we've talked a bit about the Fermi Paradox, and my hope well, is Well, I was actually going to ask real quick your, both of your opinions on the Drake Equation because I know that was mentioned in the Twitch chat, which I can't read from this distance, but... I think the Drake Equation was an interesting idea when when he formulated it but i think it is forever an exercise in banging your head yeah. against a brick wall because you can't plug in enough numbers to ever find anything yeah. out meaning, meaningful out yeah you yeah. agree i 100 percent agree yeah. yeah yeah it's i mean it's it it is it is provides no value to answering this question right it helps you identify what you think are variables that could be plugged into it right. and we and those are all exciting things to look at mm -hmm. but it doesn't tell us any way shape or form how many aliens there are in the universe. Right. Back to this idea, because they should, they could and should move, and we should see evidence of them everywhere, and we don't. And we don't. And, and, and so what the potential of an infinite universe? How would you handle something like that? Uh, right. So we, so we yes. had this conversation, you know, John and I were talking about how we were going to have this conversation, and he's like, I got, I got a killer argument for you. And he did, and I caved. So Wait, 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 wait. We're going to have to back that up. So yeah. go on. Infinite universe. Okay. What's the possibility? Well, we do not know how big the universe is. All we know is what we can observe. So there's we, we see the observable universe. This is as far as we can see. 13.8 billion years. That's all we got. That's all we got. But that does not mean the universe doesn't continue on outside of that bubble. And there's a possibility, fairly strong possibility, that it's actually infinite. In an infinite universe, not only would you have the possibility of alien civilizations, you have the possibility of running into another Earth where there's yeah. where there's a Fraser Kane and a JMG and a Skylius sitting here having the same conversation. The only difference is that I was having a Manhattan. And, right. Yeah, and Fraser has hair. Yeah, yeah. And sort of the way to kind of logically go with this <laughs> argument, right, is that, you know, imagine a cubic meter of space, just space itself. The, According, you know, when you think about the number of various, essentially, states that can be in that cubic meter of space, there's like 10 to the power of 80. All of the particles that are possible in that cubic meter 
that all the different configurations, all the different energy states, there is actually a finite number of possible states in a cubic meter of space. Right. Yeah. And so if you go in any direction for an infinite mm -hmm. amount of time, you will eventually run into a copy of a cubic meter of space because 10 to the power of 80, even though right. it is an enormous number, right. it is a finite number and finite is smaller. An infinite number of finite numbers go into an infinite number. And so and so you will run into a copy of just some cube of space, like right down to the particle level. And then you'll run into another one and then you run into another one and you will run into, ev you will run into copies of every single possible configuration mm -hmm. that is possible mm -hmm. an infinite number of times. And so eventually you'll get to a place that, you know, you'll find a cubic meter that's kind of like, you know, this table and then you'll find a cubic meter that's, or a square, a cubic kilometer that's kind of like, you know, Palm Springs mm -hmm. and then you'll get a cubic, 10,000 cubic kilometers, it's kind of like the Earth and eventually you will have perfect copies of entire, of the Milky Way out there in space, an infinite number of them. And then I absolutely 100% seed the ground to you, there will be an infinite amount of life in the universe. And therefore, I am going to end this on an even more terrifying sci-fi possibility regarding wonderful, this. Wonderful. And this is, this is the worst one. This is the worst I've thought of. So in an infinite universe that's dying as it's moving towards that, and eventually it becomes just a cinder universe, a black, you know, a place of blackness, infinite blackness. Then you run into something called a Boltzmann brain, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where if you wait long enough, a gigantic supercomputer will appear out of nowhere, out of random noise, and be conscious. Right. So this this idea that that there are you know this cup sits here on this table probably. It's a probability distribution that all of the particles are here. But there's also a probability that all of these particles could be in Alpha Centauri. Mm -hmm. The chance is incredibly low, but if you wait an infinite amount of time, then it will absolutely happen that the particles that are currently here will reform. They will not happen to be here. They'll, be in, they'll happen to be in a very unlikely place. And this is, I mean, this is absolutely proven by quantum mechanics. This kind of thing happens all the time at the particle level. And it, you know, it just doesn't happen at the cup level and at the planet level and at the supercomputer level. But if you wait an infinite amount of time, yeah, you wait long enough. You wait long enough, you will get a right. So a conscious thinking, gigantic supercomputer <laughs> appears in the distant universe and looks at the blackness, and it says, "I need something to do." <laughs> so it says, "I am going to make a simulation of a universe." And inside of it, I'm going to put one planet full of a bunch of people mm -hmm. and experience what they experience while they try to figure out if there's anyone else out there. Nice. You I'd, monster. Yeah, I, I so say I'd watch that movie. Wait, I might live that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a wrap. Yeah, right on. It's amazing. All right, thanks, guys. And, yeah.